0: Now in Luke chapter 11, you have a scene where Jesus, he's, he's praying. Uh, he just finished his prayer and then the disciples come up to Jesus and, and they ask a very important question. Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And what follows this simple question is what we commonly know as the Lord's Prayer. Now in Matthew Six, we have kind of a longer uh, version of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer is quite short, condensed. Uh, But nonetheless, what we learn is this. The Lord's Prayer is not just a prayer that we habitually recite or remember. Uh, It's not this magical prayer that if we pray, all things happen and, and God is honored and glorified. Now, I think it's a great prayer but it was never meant to be this religious prayer that's simply recited. It's meant to be a prayer, a template for a prayer, a pattern of a prayer. It teaches us how to pray. In other words, Jesus is not asking you to pray this prayer word for word. He's asking you to look at the pattern of these prayer, this prayer and see how you can grow in your prayer life. One example is, well, you never see anyone else reciting the Lord's Prayer in other places in the new testament another thing is even the lord's prayer you kind of you don't see the ending that we normally expect in the name of jesus we pray maybe Jesus was too too humble enough to not say hey just pray in my name maybe he was too humble for that well later he says that to his disciples so again i think one thing i want to highlight is i think it's great that we learn and we can memorize the lord's prayer i think that's very important but we have to take it a step further And understand that this prayer is simply a pattern a template in which we can grow in our prayer life but the most encouraging thing about the lord's prayer about this passage is this this passage reminds us that that we're not the only people who need help in prayer like out of all the things that the disciples could have asked the one thing that they do ask is "Jesus, teach us to pray like You don't see this anywhere else in the Gospels. There's not a single incident where the disciples actually come up to Jesus first and ask to learn something. They don't come up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, teach us how to read the Bible, teach us how to preach, teach us how to evangelize, teach us how to fast. They never ask that question. And yet in today's passage, what we see is they want to learn something from Jesus' prayer life. Something about Jesus' prayer life was different. No, I, I love basketball. Uh, a player that I love was Kobe Bryant. Um, and one thing about Kobe Bryant, uh, if you know him, he's a learner. He, although he was great in his skills, one thing that set him apart was that he was always willing to learn other people's moves. Like there was this one clip where he would go to Hakeem Olajuwon and learn the dream shake. Or he would learn from other people like the one-legged shot from Dirk Nowitzki. And one thing that you see is that he's always learning from other people, and therefore he is he's growing. But when he's learning, he wants to learn the other person's best move. And that's why Michael Jordan says, there's one person who can beat me on one-on-one, it's Kobe Bryant, because he always steals my moves. That's what he says. Um, now, if there's one thing that, that, that disciples, they wanted to ask and, and, and receive and learn, it's, it was Jesus' prayer life. That's how big this is. But also, it tells you that the disciples are not content with their prayer life. These were Jewish men who knew how to pray. These were Jewish men who who prayed on a regular basis, and yet they were not satisfied with their prayer life. Something was different about Jesus' prayer life. Something was set apart about Jesus' prayer life. And so they come up to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, we need help. Can you teach us how to pray? And so this reminds us that prayer is difficult work. That prayer is not something that comes to you naturally when you become a Christian. You might think, man, if I just stay as a Christian for X amount of years, I'm going to learn how to pray. No, notice that it's not something that automatically happens in your life. It's a discipline that you have to learn. That The disciples are, are asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. And I think it's because the reason why prayer is so difficult, it's because it's unlike any other spiritual discipline. If you think about fasting, yeah, you can discuss about the importance of fasting, why you need to fast in a certain period of time, but you never have to question how you fast. Like, we all know how to fast. If a doctor tells us, hey, you're taking an exam tomorrow, hey, just fast for 12 hours, you know what that means. You know how to fast. When it comes to giving, yeah, we have to discuss why we should give cheerfully, generously, but at the same time, you don't have to question how to give. As long as you know how to write a check or pay a bill online, you know how to give. So the question is never how. But when it comes to the issue of prayer, not only do we have to understand why we need to pray, but it's the how that's really difficult because prayer is unlike anything else. Like how do you pray to an invisible God? How do you pray with confidence when it feels like you're just talking to yourself? It's a very difficult difficult discipline. I, I don't know if, if I'm the only person in here like that feels this way. Like The moment that, that you become a Christian, um, you really desire to to develop a healthy prayer life. If I look back and look back at all the books that I bought, the Christian books that I bought, I think the number one topic is probably prayer. And that shows me how much I need help when it comes to prayer. Because that's something that I just... I just didn't get, like, even to this day, like, I'm growing in my understanding of prayer. I see people praying. I want that type of life. I want that type of consistency. I want that type of intimacy. But how in the world do you get that? It, it's so difficult because every time I, I sit down, I, I, I want to pray. That's when all these different things come to your mind. It feels like the world, world is, like, pouring in on you, right? You, all of a sudden, you think of, oh, man, I think I forgot to answer that email. I feel like I forgot something for my kids and then you look up and you see the ceiling fans and you're like oh wait there's like dust there maybe I should clean today like like I gotta make sure my room is clean before I pray it's like it's like when you you don't really study normally and you're ready to study like all these different things that you have to get get through in order to study and then finally when you actually sit down you're all exhausted that's a lot of times like how how I feel when it comes to prayer like there's all these different things that come to my mind, it feels like those are the priorities. And by the time I actually sit down, it's like, oh man, I'm exhausted. Maybe maybe tomorrow. And so what we see is that prayer is very difficult. It's not an easy topic. And I think that's why in the Sermon on the Mount, more than any other topic, Jesus actually talks about prayer. Prayer is important yet difficult. And so what I want to do in these next couple of weeks is just really spend some time understanding what prayer is all about. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to get all your answers about prayer because prayer is such a wide topic, but I hope that we can at least you know, go in the right direction, that we would start off in the right way when it comes to understanding what prayer is all about. But the first definition I want to give you is this. If I can just simply give you a definition for prayer, it's this. Prayer is a heart cry that longs for and loves God. Prayer is a heart cry. It's something that you do from the heart. You cry out longing for God, and because you love God. The reason why I say that is because look at the context in which this passage comes, comes about. You have in chapter 10, just sending out the disciples, uh, 72 of them, to do the work of God's kingdom. And they return. They're super excited that demons are falling before them. They're doing all these crazy work for the Lord. And, and, and they're rejoicing in all their success and accomplishments. And Jesus says, no, rejoice in the fact that your name is written in heaven. And then you move into this section where you see the good Samaritan, where you realize that although we know that we ought to love God, love others, at the end of the day, we need a good Samaritan in Jesus Christ first to love others. And then the next section is that Mary and Martha, the two pictures of a disciple, one is absolutely distracted, one is simply devoted to Jesus. And Jesus' conclusion was this. Mary chose the good portion that she devoted herself to the one thing. And what we took out from that passage was that the one thing is Jesus Christ, that he's the one who requires our full devotion, our full attention, that he He wants our presence more than our performance, that he's not simply a special guest that we need to work for, but he is our Lord that we should surrender to, that he demands our worship, that he is the good portion above all Things. And so you can imagine the disciples trying to understand okay, now that I see it's important for me to sit down at the feet of Jesus, what does that look like? What does it look like to actually spend time with God? If that's the priority when it comes to discipleship, how do I do that? Out of that, that mindset, out of that heart, like the disciples are saying, I long to be with God. I love God, but how do you do that? And so Jesus says, This is how you pray. So prayer is a heart cry, a longing for God and his presence. And the very first thing that Jesus says when the disciples ask the question, teach us to pray, it says in verse 2, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. When you pray, say, Father. And, And this is really the main point of today's passage. Prayer, it flows out of our relationship with God. Prayer, before it can accomplish anything, it must flow out of our relationship with God. Now, we often overlook that word, Father. Uh, to be honest, today, my plan was to pray all the way, uh, preach all the way to verse 13. And as I was studying the text, I was like, man, the Lord's Prayer, there's just so much there. And the more and more I was studying the Lord's Prayer, I couldn't get passed by this one word, Father. Father. J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, he says, What is a Christian? The question can be answered in many ways, but the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as father. Now, J.I. Packer is one of the most well-respected theologians. Like He he wrote all these different books, like systematic theology. He knows a lot about the Bible, and you would expect something more profound from a theologian like J.I. Packer, and yet what he says is, in the simplest sense, in the most richest sense, A Christian is simply someone who has God as their father. God as their father. Like, is that how you view God? When you talk to him, when you spend time in prayer, does it feel like you're going to your boss? Does it actually feel like you're going into the presence of your loving father? Now, I think a lot of us, we have a hard time grasping this idea of father because... If anything, many people were raised in the absence of a father or in a dysfunctional family where the father was inadequate and loving. And because of that, one thing that people would often argue is that I just can't understand this idea of God being my father. Because if I think about my earthly father, like, I don't know, like, I just, I just. The thought of God being my father is just is not pleasant. It's, and it's that's absolutely true. Like I think this week, um, I think it was one of my lowest weeks when it comes to being a father. Like last last Sunday, I preached about spending time with Jesus, and the whole week I'm thinking about, man, how can I spend more time with Jesus? And what happened was really the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. Like, like these three kids are like driving me crazy so much to do it was to the point where i was i was really losing it i'm like God, I really want to spend time with you. Can you just like, encourage my wife to step up and, like, take care of all these crazy kids? As if that was my problem. And finally, like, yesterday was at the peak because I'm preparing a very important pa- pa- sermon about the Lord's Prayer, but my kids are making a mess at home. And lo- and, and we're having this back-and-forth argument. I'm telling them. I'm threatening them. I'm, like, doing all of that I'm, I-, I can in order to help them, like, stay in control. And I did something I shouldn't do, like... Uh, so Timothy, he does Taekwondo, right? And and when he does Taekwondo, uh, he has this thing called the songpan, which is like made out of wood, this this wooden kind of square thing that you you break. And the first time he did Taekwondo, he brought this wooden thing because he was so proud that, that he was doing Taekwondo. And he wrote John 3.16 on that, right? And he wrote that. And so yesterday, like, the house was a mess, like, terrible, and like, and he's, He's still like joking around, like playing around, and he I and I see that wooden thing. Like he has it in his hand and he's playing. And so I I take it from him and I, I hit it and it and it broke. Like John 3, 16, cut in half. It's like and it's like number one, like it was like it was one of the low moments as a father. Was like immediately I went, I got some tape. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like like this should have never never happened. But what I'm trying to say is this. Like, as I'm preparing and thinking of a sermon, that's how sinful I can be when it comes to being a father. It is really hard and difficult to be a father. And because of that, because we have seen so much failure when it comes to our earthly fathers, I think we have a tendency to think or imagine that God as a father can fail us as well. But I love what, again, J.I. Packer says in his book. He says this, God has not left us to guess his fatherhood by analogies from human fatherhood. He revealed the full meaning of this relationship, cone and for all through our Lord Jesus Christ. The way that you understand the true nature of the Father is not by looking at your earthly Father. Hopefully, your earthly Father is good enough that you can see bits and pieces of God the Father, but the true way that you understand the depths, and the love of the Father is by looking at the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. When I look at Jesus, there is no doubt in my mind that the Father, like, you know, not even questioning, like, how the Father loves Jesus, like, and the the Son loves the Father. That's the relationship that Jesus Christ has with his heavenly Father. And what the passage is telling us today is that that's the Father that you're calling to when you're praying. Now, in Matthew 6, the same passage, the same Lord's Prayer is given to us. Do you guys remember how it begins? Our Father in heaven. That's a big deal because Jesus doesn't say, hey, this is my Father, and you pray to my Father. He doesn't say, you just pray to the Father. He says, our Father. The same Father that I have fellowship with, the same father that I deeply love, the same father that protects me, provides for me, that same father can be your father. That's what he's saying to the disciples. Like, if you are a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, if you have placed your trust, your faith in Jesus, if you are redeemed by his blood, the Bible says that you have a father, that you are adopted into God's family, and now you have a heavenly father, and that heavenly father happens to be the father of Jesus Christ. And so you don't have to guess what the father is like. You just have to look at how the father, God the father, interacts with God the son. Galatians 4, 4-6 says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. It says that God sent his one and only son to redeem us so that we can be restored in our relationship with the Father the relationship that was broken due to our sin, that we were just like the prodigal son, wanting our own life, wanting independence, saying that we don't need God to exist, we don't need God to feel pleasure, we can just live apart from the Father, Father, you as as good as dead in my life. When we were far apart from the Father, when we were still in our distance, in our sins, in our trespasses, the Bible says God sent his son to die for us, and through his redeeming work that we cry, Abba, Father. And it doesn't end there. God gives us his spirit, his very own spirit. And says in Romans 5, 8, 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You are no longer slaves, but you are sons like of the Most High. And through the spirit with confidence, you can cry out, Abba, Father. This was the difference between Mary and Martha. Martha was working hard, but working as a slave. When Mary simply enjoyed the very presence of, of Jesus because she had confidence in her relationship with God. And so when you say the word Father, that's the first domino that needs to fall when it comes to prayer, that you have to have confidence that you have a heavenly Father. And Jesus is saying, I came for this very reason. He's revealing this word in the Lord's Prayer to remind his disciples, I came to you so that prayer would no longer be a ritual, it would be a relationship. If you think about this, the Jews, they view prayer as a ritual, as a religious activity. You know, this was a big deal that Jesus would actually utter the words, Father, because no one does that. Like in the Old Testament, you have about 20 occasions where, yes, God is portrayed as a father, but not a single time when a believer actually addresses God Almighty as father. No one dares to do that. You have to be proper before him. You have to keep your distance away from him because he is absolutely holy, because he is almighty. That you can't be casual and familiar before him, that you have to make sure that you are formal and, and you, you are proper before him. And yet, what Jesus says is, is no. Yes, God is infinite, but he's also your father. Like you, you have a God. Who's willing to be personal an infinite god who's willing to be personal with you and if you don't get this you will never pray because one reason why we don't pray is because we wonder if god really hears our prayers in fact he we wonder if he actually cares about our needs and and what we're really questioning is is god really a father because a father absolutely will care about his son and his daughter a father, like, I would go to concerts and, 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 and different things, children activities. My eyes are always fixed on my kids. I'm sorry, but, like, you know, if we, everyone else is playing with each other. Like, that's great, but my eyes are always fixed on my kids because that's the relationship I have with my children. Like, and, and in the same way, the Bible is reminding us that God the Father has his eyes fixed on you as your dad and you wonder if he hears, if he listens. Like, Jesus came to break this ritual of prayer and to restore a relationship of prayer. So prayer flows out of our relationship with God, and what is that relationship? It's it's God being our Father, God being our Father. And we said that we, don't, we should understand this word through the lens of our personal lives. We should understand this word through the lens of the life of Jesus. I just want to give you four things that you see when it comes to the father-son relationship, God the father and God the son. The first thing that you see is, is dependency. Like As the son, Jesus is always dependent on the father. In John 5.19, it says this, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Like, I can't do anything on my own, Jesus says, although He has all power and authority in heaven and on earth. Like he can calm winds and waves, he can cast out demons, heal diseases, and yet what he says is, I can't do anything on my own accord. I'm dependent on the Father, and I want to grow in the likeness of my Father. I want to be like my dad. That's what Jesus is saying. So dependency is what you see in this father-son relationship. The second thing that you see is affection. Affection. In John 5.20 it says, for the Father loves the Son. The Father loves loves the son that there's not a single moment when jesus questions the love of the father even though the father would send jesus to hard difficult places and all the way to the cross there's not a single moment when the son is doubting the heart of the father and the same way you and i when we understand that god is our father that we can have confidence in his love the third thing that we see is presence presence in John sixteen thirty two, it says this, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come, speaking of his crucifixion, when you will be scattered each to his home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. If you understand that God is your heavenly Father, your earthly Father might leave you, disappoint you, but he will never leave you nor forsake you. His presence is promised, and the last thing we see is glory, glory. John 17, 1, it says this. When Jesus has spoken these words, he lift up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. As the son is living for God's glory, the father's glory, wanting to honor the father in every possible way. The father doesn't just hold back. The father doesn't say like, oh man, I'm grateful that my son is doing this. No, the father is glorifying the son. So you kind of see that as much as Jesus is pouring into the father, the father is pouring into the son, exalting the son. And so what we see is when this true sonship is restored in our lives. Number one, that we can have absolute absolute confidence, confidence in the in the fact that we are, are satisfied in God, the Father, that we are dependent on Him, that we don't have to live life on our own, but we can look to Him for guidance, for wisdom. We also see that He truly loves us, loves us, even when the world hates us, that His love is what sustains us, His presence is what reminds us that we're not alone in this earth and we see that as we are honoring him he's not just leaving us alone he's leading us to glory and so when you understand that God is your father then you begin to pray and so I just want to jump into the application then so what does this mean and how can this change our prayer life if God is your father that means you are his child so pray like a child that's the application. Pray like a child. Yes, it'll be great if you have fancy words, full sentences, grammatically correct, impressive to the class and to everyone else. But what God says is this. When you pray, you come to me. You don't have to be all proper. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't even have to be all clean. Like, come in your messiness. Come as you are overwhelmed with life come to me in your brokenness. Like, there's not a single parent that's going to send their kid away because they're too messy, because they're too broken. Like, those are the moments that the parents want to be with the child, to be there for the child. And a lot of times, I think we have this tendency to think that we need to have everything correct and right all put together in order to approach God and say things to God. No, that's not really the case. Like, you can be a child before him. The second application is this, like a child pray in everything and anything. Like, like a child pray in everything and in anything and you can pray repeatedly because that's what children do. Like if Irene wants milk, I say no, she doesn't take no for an answer. Like she would literally bring out the milk from the, from the fridge, put it right before me, say I want milk. Wouldn't take no for an answer. Like. There are times where I'm able to hold my ground, but there are times where I just give in because like, she's so cute, she's trying to carry her away, but in, in everything and in anything that you can pray. And I, I think the reason why children actually approach their parents in such a way is this, because they deep down inside, they believe that their parents are capable of anything and everything. Don't you think? Like, you know, when you are young, like, when you think about your parents, like, they were so big, like, they, nothing was impossible for them, like, it seems like they had everything put together, and by the time you realize you're at their age, and you realize, oh, they had, they knew nothing about life, and yet, the children, they have so much confidence in, in their, in, in their parents, like, one example is, like, Irene, she loves to be held by like, in, in and every time I'm there, like, she doesn't do this to mommy, but she always wants to be held, when when we're walking and and this happened friday like my hands were full of stuff like you know we just brought a lot of stuff and and Timothy was there too and like my hands are like falling apart like really and and still she says but dad i want you to hold me I, and she gives me that look. I tell her, no, I can't do it. Like, you're too heavy. And she gives me that look. I know you can do it. Like, and it's like, she has so much confidence. I don't even have confidence in my arms. And she's like, she has so much confidence. And she gets on me. And, and I'm, I'm carrying her. We're waiting for, 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 we're waiting, um, uh, for the elevator. And, and, and what happens is she just moves around. She doesn't even have her hands on me. She's, like, moving around, and she actually falls. Like, she, grabbed my, she grabs my backpack, and then that backpack happened to, like, fall down and like in that moment like I just I kind of used my legs to hold her like so that nothing nothing serious would happen but she just fell on the ground and like I'm like oh man I I lost her that's a lesson your earthly parent is not perfect (laughs) and I don't know the next time she's she's still going to ask me to carry her or not but what the Bible reminds us is this our heavenly father it's not like our wishful thinking that he'll be powerful and and wise and everything, but he actually is. He actually is capable. He can actually hold all those things together and still carry you. And so pray in everything and in anything. Nothing is too small for your father. Pray. And the last point of application is, is this. Don't try to create intimacy with your father. Make room for it. Don't try to create intimacy with your father. Simply make room for it. Don't just say, I want to be close to God. Man, I wish I had a better relationship with God. When you are not making room to spend time with God. If you want to get closer to someone, you make room for that person. And I think we can do this in two ways, that we can make room for God in two ways. Number one is simply by surrendering like cuz when we surrender that's when Jesus allows us to have this relationship with the father but number 2 is by spending time actually like we would set apart a specific time in our day to spend time with our father now it's absolutely true that throughout your day you can pray short prayers hey god thank you for this meal amen hey god thank you that i finally got a parking spot amen like you can say all those different things like and and those are good habits but if All you're doing with God is casual conversations and you're never sitting down with God spending, you know, quality time. Like, what does that say about your relationship? Like, if I told you, man, I always text with my wife. I tell her what I ate. I, I tell her how my day was. Like, I'm constantly texting, but at home, I, I, I just go to bed. Like, never talk to her alone. We never go on date nights. We keep each other updated. Like, we share each other's locations. Like, that. If you really love someone, you would spend time with that person. In the same way, if you want intimacy with God, no matter how busy you are, create room for God. If you are too busy to pray, that means you have to pray because a lot is on your plate. If you don't have much, to, then you have, yeah, you have some kind of room to wiggle around and so that you can get by things. But if you're too busy to pray, that means you're overwhelmed. That means you are carrying too much weight on your shoulders. That's a sign that you actually have to pray. And so God, he is our father. I think, yes, we can go to different things, motivation, um, strategy when it comes to prayer. But at the root of our problem when it comes to prayer, the reason why it is easy for us to gather people when it comes to fellowship, people would show up to uh, worship gatherings but when we say that we have a prayer meeting the reason why it is really hard deep down inside is because prayer is not something that is actually that real to us but at the root of this problem is what it's actually a relational problem like before it's a strategic problem before it's an experience problem at the root of it all if your god is not your father then you will not pray but if you have confidence that the God of the universe is absolutely your father, that he loves you, cares for you, that he accepts you, he invites you, that he longs to meet with you, and he gives you this privilege of prayer that every time you call upon his name, that he would actually stop and listen to your prayers, that he knows all that you, everything that you need and still wants to hear from you because he wants to hear your heart, your, what you want, and he wants to have a conversation with you, that would stop you. And, 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 and have you cherish this time of prayer. And so do you have a problem with prayer? Could it be that it's time to check your relationship with God, that he is your father? Jesus died for that fact. So let's spend time and enjoy God as we should. Amen? Let's pray.